Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. So a feature I want to talk about within Onyx and what I use this a lot for is identifying access points. So what I'm talking about is within the Onyx Hunt app, you can see where trailheads are, you can see where the dirt roads end and the trails begin or parking areas. You can see that a lot, especially some are marked, you know, within the app and others you can just see by the outline of a parking lot using the aerial overlay. So what I like to do, whether it's elk hunting out west or it's whitetail hunting in Pennsylvania, when I'm scouting a new area, I'm looking for these access points and I'm going to put waypoints at these. They have a little uh, icon for access. It's an A I marked that a certain color. I like to use yellow. It's just my own preference. And I'll mark all these access points. So when I look at the big picture, I can see where most people could potentially be coming in and accessing that hunting area. And most likely, I'm going to try to avoid those spots. So that's just one tip that I like to use within the Onyx Hunt app. If you want to pick up the Onyx Hunt app, now is a great time to do so. You can save yourself 20% off at onxmaps.com if you just use the coupon code emw this does not work in the app store or google play so make sure you use that on onxmaps.com check it out so the university of elk hunting and uh cory jacobson come out with the most comprehensive elk hunting learning course available and i've said it a thousand times i'm going to say it again investing in yourself in learning and being able to you know be prepared to go on you know in this case an elk hunt is invaluable and this course has definitely sped up the learning course for myself learned so much and put me in the position to have opportunities at elk every year most of the time i screwed it up but the course really helped me get those opportunities and be able to find elk. Right now, with application periods coming up and getting ready to plan 2020 adventures, it's no better time than to start going through the online course. And if you haven't checked out Corey's Destination Elk series on YouTube, the video they just uploaded recently is insane, where Corey has a bull hissing in his face at four yards it's probably one of the craziest uh, pieces of elk footage i've ever seen so check that out over youtube as well but if you're interested in the online course use the coupon code east meets west that'll save yourself 20 percent off the annual membership so head over to elk101.com to check that out and maven optics so what i want to talk about with maven today is is Maven has a whole bunch of different series of binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes. But the C series is one I want to talk about. With the holiday season coming up, you know, they're a, a dynamic mid-range binocular and they're a good companion to their B series. So basically it's a powerful binocular but features a lightweight polymer frame, some ED glass, fully multi-coated lenses that are really clear, bright, and good in low light conditions. So if you want to check them out, you head over to mavenbuilt.com, 
These are good price point binoculars that uh, won't break the bank and can be great gifts. So if you want to use the coupon code East Meets West dash gift, then you'll get a free gift with any full price optics order. So head over to mavenbuilt.com to take a look at that. And then lastly, Mountain Ops is going through a ton of amazing sales. They just finished up their Black Friday sale, Cyber Monday, and they'll continue to have some, I'm sure. Um, within within mountainops.com, if you want to order any supplements, any apparel, whatever else they have, if you use the code BOW, free ship, that's B-E-A-U, free ship, Get free shipping on any of your orders there, no matter what the dollar amount is. So that could save you some money. Check that out at mountainops.com. Okay, so I did want to say I announced the winners of some of the other uh, giveaways. So a couple people didn't claim their prizes on the episode 100 giveaway. So I redrew, and the way I did it was... Um, put a, a different way out there for people to win and the lucky winners who have been notified and have claimed their prizes already for the Onyx Elite Lifetime Membership, Ben Rouse. I'm sorry if I pronounced that incorrect. So he won the Lifetime Onyx uh, Membership by sharing a really cool story of how he used it this year on a mule deer hunt out west. And the, the Maven gift card winner, which... To enter that, you just had to buy in any apparel from my website, from eastmeetswesthunt.com, during the holiday sale here. And Brianna, <coughs> excuse me, Brianna Shelley won the $200 gift card there to Maven. So thanks everyone for entering into that. And thanks to everybody that took part in the sale of, you know, buying some of the apparel that really helps support the podcast. And I love coming out with some cool designs and hopefully everyone else likes that as well so and as far as the update on my hunting season's going i've been promising i'm going to come out with kind of like a recap of uh, the pennsylvania archery season and i plan on doing that pretty soon but still not going to dive into it a lot yet i did just get back from a backpack hunt it was a short hunt but i basically went in more or less kind of scout an area we never went into before backpacked in a while with my buddy adam greenman and uh hunted the area and got a whole bunch of crazy weather but i'm gonna save that story for another time as well so once i do that other podcast i'll dive into a whole bunch of this and kind of it all ties into the the bigger picture so it'll make sense at that point but anyways i still do have my buck tag in my pocket in the worst way, I'm trying to uh, get that filled. I'm not going to lie. I'm getting pretty wore out, but going to keep going, keep going and uh, hunting here strong. So I've got a couple weeks here left of uh, the Pennsylvania rifle season, which um, is always interesting to say the least. Anybody from Pennsylvania will understand what I mean by that. <laughs> so... Anyways, on this episode, I'm joined by Kip Folks, and Kip is an absolutely awesome guy to talk to. This episode, with me just listening to it again and going through it to see if I had to make any edits, I mean, 
this guy is he'll say it in there he's he's not here to be inspiring but he is he's he's a really hard working guy that has you know was part of building one of the the biggest sports apparel companies you know in the world and he does a really good job of correlating that you know between hunting business life and everything else i mean this this episode has it all and we talk a little bit about you know hunting the appalachian mountain region you know things again that i've you know been trying to talk about more and you just don't hear a lot of it there's so much adventure to find on the east coast so this episode's awesome um i'm excited to have everyone get to listen to it and so without further ado, let's jump into this episode here with Kip Folks. All right, we're live. I'm on the podcast tonight with Kip Folks, uh, the one of the original co-founders of Under Armour. Kip, how are you doing tonight? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped uh, to get you to have come on the podcast here tonight and get to talk a little bit about hunting, a little bit about business and whatever else we decide to talk about. <laughs> well, I'm getting a kick I'm getting a kick out of watching you on your Instagram stories waiting for you to arrow a big buck up in the mountains. So, uh <laughs> it's been it's been good to uh, watch, but it was exciting to kind of talk on the phone with you as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it's every year it's a similar story with me uh uh, it seems like a lot of struggle, and then hopefully at the end it all comes together, which I guess that's why we do it, right? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, it's like, this, uh, you know, as a kid, you just want to be outside, you want to be outside, and then as you get older, you know, you have things to do in life, but I mean, hunting is one of those things where you have more success the more time you're outside, and I've had a couple couple hunts just recently last year and this year where i'm tagged out on the first day and christ i don't know what to do (laughs) it's not the norm usually usually it's you know down to the wire like you're saying yeah it's funny (laughs) when it comes together and it it happens at the beginning i don't know what guys do in pennsylvania when they shoot a buck on the first day of archery then they're bored yeah, I I know my dad did that a few years ago, and he's like, I don't know what to do, you know, because that's what we look forward to, the the whole year. It's 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 funny, and and this year with my elk hunt, I I killed my elk on the first morning, essentially, it was the second day of hunting, being there for fourteen days. I mean, luckily I had you know buddies to be able to to hunt with, but that was really a culmination of about 30 days over the last three years of hunting to get to that one opportunity. So I'd take a first day anytime when it, when yeah. it comes down to that, you know? Well, I mean, they, they got that crazy saying that says, you know, don't, don't pass a deer you shoot on the last day. Well, I, I did that uh, elk hunting in Arizona this year. I passed a monster thinking, Oh geez, it's the first, you know, it's the first day and I'm going to get all these opportunities and, Ended up having to settle for a smaller bull. Yeah, but, uh, it's funny, man. The the mother nature doesn't care. No, it it does not. And and I'm 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 I don't like that saying just because I I don't know. It's just my personality. But I like hunting the whole time. If I decide I I'm not in the mood to shoot one on the first day or whatever it might be, I'll I'll probably end up shooting a smaller one at the end. But it's it's all fun and whatever your goals are, I guess. 
yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure out there to always bag the big one, but some of my best hunts are just average, average animals, you know, but the, the adventure or the chaos or the, you know, the mistakes you made that you learn from. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really don't get tied up. I got some trophies that I'm proud of, but I'm not really that type of hunter either. You know, I, I really grew up hunting and just experiencing being outside, man. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. So Kip, where did you, where did you grow up at and how did you, you know, kind of get into hunting? Well, my dad's from, excuse me, my dad's from Great Falls, Montana. I was born in Utah, Logan. Um, We traveled around. My dad's a Marine. So we, you know, every two years we had to up and leave and make new friends or go to a new school and but my grandfather lived in the same trailer park in Longmont, Colorado for 42 years. So Colorado ended up being a little bit of like steady Eddie because we moved, but my grandfather was always there. So we grew up pheasant hunting out on the Eastern Plains, goose hunting, rabbit hunting, did a little bit of big game with my, my uncle and my father and my, my grandfather, a little bit of elk hunting, but Honestly, it was a lot of upland game at first. That's how we grew up. Okay, so you you got to kind of experience it all over all over the country with traveling. I mean, did you hunt in a lot of those other places, or mostly, like you said, in um, in Colorado? Yeah, when it comes to traditional hunting, it went back to Wyoming, Colorado, and Montana. But you know, when we lived in Bermuda, we would spearfish, and when we lived in Hawaii, we would do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so it was like chasing game in the water or on land. We always found a way to do it. But that traditional kind of hunting was really, I would say, I, I learned kind of in those three states. And then went to college back east. And, uh, you know, I didn't shoot my first deer until I was like, I think, 21 back east here. So, you know, it's funny how everybody grows up. But um, I didn't shoot my first deer until I was 20. Huh. That's interesting. And, and, you know, where I grew up in Pennsylvania, I've, I've never upland hunted and still to this day, I haven't. And everyone tells me how much fun it is. And it's, it's just interesting how stories, you know, how everyone's story is a little bit different with that. Yeah, I know for a long time, I used to whitetail hunt and I still, still whitetail hunt like I'm, like I'm bird hunting. I mean, I like to move do setups. I'm not, I cannot sit in a tree stand. <laughs> um, and I've had a lot of success shooting whiteys on the ground with my bow. Um, so you know what? Everybody's got their own way. And I've definitely like modified a bunch of different hunting techniques that I've learned from other people kind of taking the spot and stock from cam, you know, the Western moving around, always new setups and trying to bring that to, you know, where I live, where I live here on the East coast. So yeah, it's a trip though. I like where I like, I like, uh, you know, I have a piece of property up by you. So I love it up in those, uh, Pennsylvania mountains. I love it. Yeah. Have you, have you, uh, got to hunt up here much as far as for whitetails or turkeys or anything? Yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've hunted a bunch up over the years, you know, my property particularly is, is straight up and down, uh, like a lot of the places there, but I have never killed a buck there archery. Um, we've always just had big family hunts with rifle and we've shot some nice deer. 
Um, some other guys that I've had hunt there have shot some nice archery deer, but I haven't. And I don't really, I don't really rifle hunt anymore. I save for the opening day of Pennsylvania is really the only rifle I pick up anymore. Besides that, I'm all, I'm all, uh, I'm all archery, which is, you know, a curse. Yeah. Do, do you ever, do you get much time or have you spent much time during the rut up there with a the bow? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've seen some great deer. I mean, we had a, a number 13 deer up there that probably taped out at, I mean, he's probably close to 160, 170. And we chased him around during the rut a couple of years in a row. We had his sheds for multiple years and it's madness up there. I mean, you gotta be in the, you gotta be outside all the time because you don't know when it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the trick to it. There shouldn't, you know, I, I, I always laugh and I put all the time into the scouting and all that. And I think it's all important, but really it comes down to how much time you can spend in the woods <laughs> when it's, when it's that time, because you, you really don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have a little bit of food plots that can drag them around, but we did a, uh, with university of Georgia, we did the first big Pennsylvania deer study about seven years ago on my property where we collared, I want to say 15 bucks of all different ages. And we watched them for three years and we watched their movement and their patterns. And I, I learned a lot about those big PA mountain whitetails. Their range is about triple of our, our deer down here in Maryland. So you're talking maybe 1500 to 2000 acres is their range versus these deer we have down in Maryland, you know, maybe five or 600 acres is all they, they move around on. So but they're a cagey animal up there. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely interesting, and I I love it. And I I thought that was a cool um, connection once I you know figured that out. I I, I remember locally, uh, you would always, or at least you did, bring up the the Under Armour truck before, and everyone would say, "Oh, you know the un, the Under Armour guys in town." You know that's that was always the thing. See it at Walmart or whatever that might be, and um, it it always cracked me up. <laughs> yeah small town in st mary's yeah you can't go anywhere right <laughs> no you can't it's, <laughs> it's been it's been good and it's been bad i you know it's you know i've talked to the state wildlife manager that kind of manages our area and we have seven thousand acres and we're up against state game land so which is i want to say 25 to thirty thousand acres and he really said that my property has changed the context of that whole area Really? Because I took, I took 7,000 acres out of the hunting. Yeah. I mean, what? I hunt maybe four or five days with maybe four or five people on 7,000 acres that is about as thick as shit. <laughs> so it's just, it's just changed the age class of all the deer up there. There's just a lot of big deer up there, a lot of older deer. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's awesome to see. And, and, uh, the, the, just the whole, I, I get a kick out of, or I love reading this, the studies Penn state does too, of just the general area. Um, and with the, in regards to the forests and how those are, you know, changing and everything's getting thicker. There's a lot more food for the deer and it's, it's been, it's been, uh, they've been growing some bigger deer up this way. That's for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, all that gas activity, well, they cut new roads, that's new brows, you know, there's pads that are, you know, so there's all kinds of neat things going on up there. It really is a cool part of the country, and I think it's 
widely misunderstood uh, by anybody that's not from Pennsylvania. Yeah. No, I agree. And and when I moved away for a little bit, I I couldn't wait to get back um, just due to the, the hunting and everything else. You know, there's there's some things about the, the small town atmosphere that I, I could trade in, but uh, the, the where I live at is just an amazing place. There's there's so much up here. So that's that's been it's been pretty awesome. But um Kip Well you know I go ahead. No, yeah, but we talked about it briefly before we started the podcast, but you know, this idea that uh everybody's looking for this like big adventure, this experience to kind of sharpen their skills and get better as a hunter and test themselves. And I've done a lot out west, and 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 I said, you know what? I need to stop going out west, and I need to just hunt on the east coast. So last year, I planned a solo hunt uh, in Green State uh, Forest in Vermont, where some of the biggest black bears are being checked in in the east coast. And it it's way harder than out west. I mean, Vermont Vermont's a beautiful state in the summer, but it's godforsaken in the winter. I mean, it's miserable. And, you know, they have a rifle season with, with moose and bear um, and archery for deer as well. So, but nobody does it. Nobody talks about getting a bunch of guys to go into Vermont and do backcountry, you know, bivy sack, whisper light stoves, got all your gear. And so I'm, I'm slowly trying to like just get better at hunting the east coast like you do a big western hunt and i enjoyed the hell out of it last year it'd be cool if you ever wanted to do it i'd love to have somebody last year i did by myself yeah no that would be that would be awesome to do that i it's funny you said that because that's one of the things that i've learned especially with starting up this podcast and starting to meet people and talk to people from most of the listeners are from the east coast and you know they're like oh we hunt mountain bucks like you do and you know say vermont or new york or virginia north carolina tennessee and it's really cool to to see like all these different places like that and the the east coast is just it's it's tough it's thick it can be rugged there's just there's a lot to it i mean especially hunting bears i mean that that is you know crazy i'm i'm doing a a hunt actually but when this podcast release releases here next week i'll be just getting back from it but for the opening weekend of rifle season here the first day i'm going to hunt somewhat locally but for the monday after I'm, I'm packing into an area on sunday and and setting up tent like you would a, a western hunt and hunting it that way and you know kind of spot and stock hopefully get some snow i can see across these hillsides yeah. but uh I'm really excited to to get to do that. That's how I hunt my property. I mean, it's a big it's a big chunk, but it it's just not as romanced as the West, and it's not been marketed well. And I would say that the East Coast hunter is more of a substance substance hunter, where the the trophy hunters out west are a little bit different. So, I mean, it's just interesting the way that society markets these hunts and talks about them and. But I, I think it's a golden gem right here, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, get a little bit into like Ohio. There's some, there's some great hunts and they're hard as hell. So hopefully people listening can, you know, not sit there and dream about, oh, I got to go to Wyoming or this, that, and the other. 
go to Vermont and shoot a 500 pound black bear. That sounds about good to me. Yeah. Yeah. We should, we should definitely talk about doing a hunt like that sometime. I would, I would really enjoy that. I'd, I'd love to, you know, experience more of the, the East coast. And it's funny, I've never been North of New York on the East coast, been all over the West and Alaska and Canada. And I've never went North of New York and I need to, need to expand that a little bit. Yeah, I started doing some research on uh, trophy bears being checked in in every state, and I come across some small towns that I can share with you in Vermont that are consistently checking in big bears, and they just have a low population of hunters and a high population of of state game land, and and it's just a good recipe. They're just getting old, just big bears. Yeah, so how did that hunt go for you? You know, I did all my uh, scouting via the internet, did not have a chance to do a summer scouting. So I basically went up there blind on aerial and Google Maps. And then I ended up trying to hike too high of an elevation. I hiked in on some steep ridges. And what I realized up there, when it gets cold, everything moves down. And the acorns seem to really like right around a thousand feet and I was at 2,000 feet. So once I moved down, I started started running into all kinds of bear sign, but then my hunt was over and ended up meeting a gentleman with a, a, a good-sized boar in the back of his truck who hunted the area that I was in, and he, he kind of confirmed what I thought, that I needed to be lower elevation, I needed to be into the acorns and beech nuts, but I spent four days like high up in the mountains, just freezing my ass off, <laughs> basically moose and, and ruffled grouse, but no bear. Huh. When uh, so, how did you do that hunt? Were you did you set up a base camp? Was it like a backpack style, or how how did you do that? I ended up bucking out. I played lacrosse at University of Maryland, and I I had a, a heck of a lacrosse career. And I met this gentleman, Roy Colesley who was a Syracuse lacrosse player, one of the best lacrosse players I've ever seen. And we stayed in touch over the years, and I kind of just randomly mentioned to him that I was going up there. And he says, that's funny. I have a piece of land right in that same area. You can use it as a base camp. So now I got this guy who owns 10 acres right where I want to hunt. So I just go and set up a little, a little you know, backpacking setup right there and kind of use it as a base camp. And there's so much state game land you know, you hike an hour. Nobody hikes an hour on the East Coast. No. <laughs> no nobody. <laughs> Fuck, 30 minutes. Excuse my French. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> nobody will hike. No. If you go in an hour, my rule was if I hiked an hour, I was good. So I would hike in an hour. And, man, I was just in these gorgeous, huge, huge forests. So, you know, a little bit nerve-wracking because I did get turned around a bit didn't have the greatest um, GPS satellite because the cloud cover was bad. So I got turned around quite a bit. Huh. That's, that's interesting. And, and so when, when you're saying that, you know, there's a thousand foot elevation gain and drop there at, you know, say the thousand foot mark, were you near the bottoms at that point or were they pretty tall? No, no. I mean, I think most of the stuff I was looking at was somewhere between 2,500 and 3200 so i could get down to about six or seven hundred feet all the way up to you know call it three thousand so there's a quite a bit of elevation change 
Yeah, that's tons of you, tons of valleys, tons of water, tons of sloughs and beaver ponds, and so much like uh, trying to figure out how something would travel in there. It was definitely. I actually mentioned it. Uh, we sponsored Remy when I was at uh, Under Armour, so I mentioned it to him, and you know he's such a amazing guy and and what he does with his filming and all of his solo hunts. I told him he should try this Vermont thing and he was somewhat interested in it, but you know, I think he's, he, he's, he's pretty dialed in out West. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's so, that's just, like I said, so interesting to me that, that, um, Vermont, you know, has that. And, and, and I'm trying to, like I said, expand kind of my East coast knowledge and, and learning about some of these places and going to it. Because like you said, I mean, it's a lot more accessible, uh, to us here. We don't need to drive. I mean, when I drove to Idaho this year, it was 35, 36 hours. And, you know, if you're taking time off work or whatever that might be, you're looking at you yeah, know, no. two, three, four days of travel. You can be in Vermont and I can be there. I'm in Maryland. I can be there in six hours. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, for, for me, that'd be like four hours, you know, that's you, hell you can do that in an extended weekend. Really? I think if you really, and this is maybe a good transition on talking about, you know, business, your, your, your demeanor in your personal life or the way you hunt, you know, the tenacity in which you approach these endeavors is the indication for, the happiness you're going to have during them. If you're unprepared, you're stressed, you're bored, you're, you're frustrated. You know, when you prepare yourself, I mean, you can read these reports, you can see which bears are being checked in at which counties. You can even look at which check-in station and you can make a guess to say, well, if he's checking them in at this station, he's probably hunting within 10 to 20 minutes of the check-in station. So then you start looking at some of the maps and, I picked Vermont specifically because I really like big black bears. But, you know, if you were looking at, you know, white tails or, um, you know, trying to pull a bobcat permit or, you know, a moose tag in, in New Hampshire, Vermont, I mean, I just named three big game that I think are pretty cool. You don't have to drive 30 hours. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. And so, and, and I guess it, what it comes down to, like you said, with your, whatever you have in your head is being prepared for it and everything else. I, I was talking about it with someone the other day about just like being prepared. I was, um, in the last few years specifically, I realized I was adding additional stress on myself by going in, say either trying to do too many hunts or trying to rush around and grab things together and, and not being prepared where if I sit down and do, you know, a few of them that I'm really putting my time, my research, my gears in order, I know where everything's at and things just go so much smoother. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm about that. I mean, I used to have this saying at uh, Under Armour, wow people with professionalism you can be crazy you can have creativity you can be loud you can be quiet at the end of the day man you got to be a professional so if you're going to be a hunter um there's just so much information out there today yeah and great gear i mean we can talk about under armor i mean we started the hunting division at under armor you know we went from like 15 million dollars to a couple hundred million dollars selling camouflage products for hunters and fishermen 
and we weren't really a hunting company. You know, some of these other companies that, you know, that's all they do is hunting products. Under Armour obviously has, you know, lots of different sports they cater to. That just tells you the size and scope of the market. Yeah. There's just so many products. There's so many services. There's so much information. So, yeah, you can get caught up in the doggy dog world where you're like, oh, let me hunt after work. Let me run here. Let me run that. Let me do this. Yeah, I don't, I don't do a lot of that. I, I like to really take my time and think about where and how I'm going to hunt. I've been really focused on getting my, my two kids their first year. So, yeah, I, I like to be prepared. And I think in professional life, that's what I did at Under Armour. My job was to be prepared. Yeah. So let's, let's, that's be, that'd be a good time to kind of dive into that. And we kind of jumped right into it at the beginning of the podcast here and didn't really give a, you know, a whole lot of background on yourself from the business side. But if you wouldn't mind, you know, talking about how you got into that with Under Armour and kind of your story there. Yeah. Well, 100%, uh, timing in life is everything. I was a, lacrosse player at university of maryland and i met this football player when we both were graduating and he was like i had a buddy introduce us and they i went and talked to him and he showed me these shirts and he's like hey can you help me and i started helping him on the weekends and weeknights and you know i ended up staying at under armor for 22 years almost started the company with them and uh i'm a co-founder did damn near near every job there, <laughs> uh, big and small. Uh, and it was a crazy rat race. I mean, we learned a lot in a short period of time. And we, we went from 1996 to having like $17,000 in sales to like $5 billion in 2016 or something, 2017. So... I, I can't explain to you the amount of crap you have to shove into that period of time to learn. <laughs> and you just got to be willing to make mistakes and you got to run hard. Someone was asking me the other day, they're like, Oh, what was it like? You know, did you guys have a great time? And this, that, and the other, did you guys celebrate all these big milestones? I was like, I didn't do a goddamn thing until we hit a billion dollars. So it was like 16 years. <laughs> I don't know. Something crazy. And then finally, I picked my head up, um, and we had some big party where the the package that represented the billion dollars in sales that we were having, like, in front of the company, and we were going to have a big speech, and yeah, I lost it. I had to go to the bathroom and cry. I'd never stopped and thought about what we were doing. <laughs> you just had head down, just working. Yeah, man, just get shit done. Like, we had work to do. I traveled all over the world. I've probably been in four or 500 factories. I set up all the manufacturing, our offices in Hong Kong and Shanghai and, you know, just traveled the world trying to make product. And then I got into product development and innovation. I ran our footwear division. And then at the end of my career, I was the chief marketing officer. So I kind of did it all. I was the chief operating officer. I had no idea why they would give me that job. Um, <laughs> but you know, just surround yourself with good people and like work hard and try to make decisions and try not to be scared of failing. So, so it was a hell of a run, man. 
Yeah, what's what's interesting to me with with your story and and I think I heard you talk about it somewhere else or read it somewhere where you had, you know, a bunch of different roles within the company and I mean, like you said, I mean, that's got to be a little bit nerve-wracking and and you know, just to be able to transition to all those points. It's not like you, you know, had a background in all those areas and that that's inspiring at least from, you know, my side of things. I'm I I love the the business side of things and I'm always trying to learn and 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 do things and and you know it, I I think there's a lot of misconception and you know feel free to correct me on this but is that you know if you go to college for a certain thing that's all you can do where you know I'm under the impression okay maybe I have a degree in this or whatever but I can learn whatever I want if I just you know get off my ass and work towards it yeah, no, the, the, the human spirit and the, and the mind in combination with drive, passion, discipline, whatever you want to call it. The, yeah, there's not a lot you can't do. People put things in their heads. So I can't do this. I can't do that. I didn't grow up that way. Um, I didn't know the word can't. It was never in our vocabulary. We went out and did shit. We got stuff done. We never knew what we were doing it in the beginning. Um, but that's okay. And you know what? You got to have an a, a ego and your ego has got to drive you because you want to succeed, but you can't have so much ego to act like you start knowing everything. And you just got to get good people around you that know more than you. I mean, that was my trick all the time. I just love to be around people that were smart and creative. And honestly, I, I just got everybody together and said, let's go run over there. I, I, I wasn't really the smartest one in the group. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, like I said, it's, it's so interesting to me, you know, whether it's my, you know, my regular career that I do my nine to five job or it's my, you know, side business with East meets West. I, I love hearing that kind of stuff and it just, the, the drive to just keep learning and keep working and, and, you know, moving towards things and is, is amazing. And, and that, that story that you had, um, and with surround yourself by, you know, good people, that's, that's definitely, you know, I, I'd say my biggest takeaway from the podcast is being able to talk to all these awesome people like yourself and everyone else I get to interview and meet at shows and the, the listeners and everything else. Everyone's got a story and it's, it's great to be able to learn, you know, get bits and pieces from all of that. Yeah. I mean, we're a product of our environment. I mean, you, you, you have some great listeners out there that are going, Oh wow, this guy did this, that, and the other at Under Armour and this. I like, yeah, okay. I've, I've had some good luck. I'm driven pretty hard. I think I'm pretty smart, but at the end of the day, I, if you surround yourself with the right people and you put yourself in the right environment with the right mindset, um, specifically if you like dedicate yourself, just burn the ships and go, meaning like I'm going to do this hell or high water. The problem is people surround themselves with mediocre, mediocre people or friends or family, uh, coworkers, uh, brothers, sisters. Like, you got to be ruthless, man. You got to be with the best people in the world. And then you're going to be damn good. I had this, like, analogy I used to tell everybody. You take a sponge, you put it in a bucket of gasoline, you leave it there for an hour. 
you wring it out, you wash it, you set it on your porch, you let it dry, you come back in a week. What does it smell like? Gas. Gasoline. Yeah. <laughs> come back come back in two months. What does it smell like? Gasoline. Whatever you whatever you sit in all day long, that's gonna be what you are. Huh. That's it. So if you're around drugs and alcohol, if you're around uh, people that act like victims, you're around people that don't uh, are not physically fit. You're around um, uh, bad environments in terms of work. People aren't ethical. They don't have the right morality. They're cutting corners. Well, guess what? You're going to go home and you're going to do that same shit. So mm-hmm. you can't be you can't be the sponge in gasoline and smell like flowers. So, you know, it sounds like this East East meets West thing is pretty cool. My advice to you is when can it be the only thing you do? Because priorities and focus in life usually make, you got to make shit happen when it's the only thing you got. Jeez, you're putting me on the spot here, Kip. (laughs) But no. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the hard part is people, uh, play everything safe for a long time. Well, this isn't big enough yet. And I can't leave my regular job because this isn't this. And so what they're doing is they're just pushing along the idea that there's enough time in life to do all of this. And I can tell you right now, there's no time in life. Dinosaurs were like 320 million years ago. And we may live here 75, 80 years. Like it's gone quick, Bo. It's going quick. It's it's funny you said that. I was talking to um, another one, a, a person I I really look up to. It's uh, Heather Kelly. She owns the company Heather's Choice Backpacking Meals, and and it was I don't know a little while ago now, and she had said to me that basically the same thing you did. She's like, Bo, if you want this thing to work, you need to go all in. She's like, I had to risk it all to go and start this business and everything. And she's like, I'm still struggling, but I would have probably hung up the towel by now if this wasn't, you know, I have to, this is my, my thing I need to do and I need to put full effort into it. So that's, that's advice I had been given here uh, recently as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, and it's not for everybody. And I, and a lot of people don't agree with me and they're like, Oh, you know, Kip, like you need to relax. You need to like have fun and like, don't put so much pressure on yourself. And yeah. And I get it. And there is a lot of people out there that, you know, just like being where they're at and they find a lot of meaning and happiness in it. And I don't know, man, I just want to cram as much shit as I can into my life before I'm dead. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Some grizzly bear in Alaska is chewing on me, and I'm just smiling, going, holy shit, that was a good life. <laughs> so how do you – all right, so, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the the good things and, you know, pushing, you know, through that and just keep driving forward. How do you deal with, like, you know, the, the, the bad things, the bad times and everything with it? I'm sure that those have happened, you know, throughout your years at Under Armour and, and – will continue, you know, beyond, how do you get through those type of things? Yeah, I'll be honest. I have, I've had a tough run at the last couple of years, just mentally trying to transition out of Under Armour and get into other things. 
where, you know, the success didn't come as easy as Under Armour. Under Armour, we just crushed it. And we had a lot of great people and we had a lot of wins. And now that I'm not there, some things I've tried haven't worked well. And they really, yeah, I really, I was really depressed about it. And I haven't handled some of that stuff really well. Um, and so I'm learning myself. I think the biggest thing I've learned is I'm not scared to try. Mm-hmm. You know, I might feel like shit and I make, make a state mistake or I might piss some people off or, you know, I might kind of just get down on myself cause I didn't, it didn't happen the way I want. And that's okay. And those times are going to happen. I'm just not scared to try it. And so like, you know, I hold on to it for a little bit, try to think about it. I like to write a little bit. So I write, I write some poems, trying to think about what happened, what I can do better. And then I just get back on the horse and try something else. Yeah, that's you just got to keep going. Yeah, that's, that's I. I just I wondered like with you know you doing that for so long and and everything else I was, that would be one you know a tough transition and two like how you know how that you would deal with it and everything else and and like I said I I've never done anything to the you know that magnitude but just on a smaller scale you know I've done been through things that like just small failures and things and i'm just like you know trying to figure out myself you know what to do and how to get through it and 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 i i'm still learning that whole process myself so that's that's kind of the the reason behind that that question there and i'm i'm sure every everyone else has it at their own different magnitude you know where they struggle with things and how to push through them in life self-awareness Ego, ego, ego and greed, ego and greed are an illusionist. I named him. His name's Houdini. Your <laughs> ego will convince you. Greed will convince you of shit that is just flat out a lie. Oh, I'm doing this for this reason. And I'm going to go here and I'm going to do that. And, and, and you just, if you have good self-awareness and you're surrounded with people that ground you, you know, you can get through some of those times. I, I think that goes back to the comment of the gasoline and the sponge. Those hard times is more about who's around you than it is about your ability to be right. Interesting. Cause they're going to help you. Yeah. They're going to, you need people to lean on. That's, Humans are, humans are, are uh, we're a mess. We're a cultural envelope. We, we, we are always together. Humans need each other. Some people can do crazy things by themselves. Some people can't even go out the door by themselves. So there's all kinds of spectrum. But generally speaking, when times are hard, I think it's really about who you're around. So... Um, and I guess that, I mean, that kind of correlates when you're, when you think about it to even when you're on, you know, tough hunts and everything. I, I, I know for myself this year, I hunted with two of my best friends, my cousin and one of my good friends, and then some other guys that I met, never met in my life before until this hunt and sharing, you know, those, the highs and the lows with those people were, were really helpful. I hunt whitetails so, uh, you know, by myself all the time and 
you know, sometimes I can get in my own head, you know, quite a bit about it. And I know hunting's not, you know, the end all be all the world, but I put so much pressure on myself with that. I, I know just, again, just looking back recently is being around those people there helps so much with those things and bringing you up when you have the positive vibes and, and at camp, you know, when you come back at night, everyone's, you know, positive about it, whether you had a, a good day seeing game or not. And that just really helps out. And it kind of, yeah, well, think about it. We've all been around that one guy who has a few too many beers and there's no deer here. This place has been shot out for years. I'm leaving in the morning. Uh, oh, okay. Why the hell do I need to be around that guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, when you go out on these Western hunts and you need guys that, you know, you might have an encounter with a big elk and it doesn't go, it doesn't go right. And, you know, you got to team up and get back on it the next day. So I, I totally agree. Hunting to me, yes, it's a solo pursuit sometimes, especially whitetail on the East coast, but even my brother and I were looking at some topo maps the other day and he's an ex Marine and he just looks at the maps a little bit different than me. And he was like, Hey, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about this area right here? It looks like they probably cross here. It's just, just having that second set of eyes on something that I thought I was pretty dialed in on. So yeah, man, I think it's all about the people around you. I yeah. really do. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying that and I'm a big loner. I do not spend a lot of time with people. Yeah. And I, I guess, I mean, I would, the people around me say that that's kind of my personality too, is I, I kind of just, I mean, not when it comes to my business and stuff, you know, I, I do, you know, a lot of things where it seems like I might be, uh, you know, really outgoing or whatever that might be. But for the most part, I keep to myself and kind of do my own, own thing. And, uh, but it, it, I, I definitely, it definitely helps them around people for, you know, those type of things, those, those harder hunts or whatever that might be in endeavors in life. And, and, um, just, I, I, I don't remember where I heard it before, but someone was saying they were talking about hunting partners and they said, if you're with a guy and you look over at that ridge and say, you know, whether you glass up an elk or you just want to go check it out. And that person says, uh, how far is that? that's probably not the person you want to be with, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they already have a, an attitude going into it. That's probably not going to be, you know, the type of person you want to, you know, be hunting with. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I've had some great experiences with some, uh, at this point, when you look back at my career at Under Armour and some of the people I met like Cam and, you know, Lee and Tiff and Remy and Shockey and, I mean, these, these are the best hunters in the world. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just soaked it up and, and I'm pretty competitive. So, you know, I, uh, you know, Cam and I hunt a lot together, uh, especially during elk season. And, you know, I feel like, you know, physically I can keep up, uh, I can shoot well, you know, he probably knows elk a little bit better than I do, especially Colin. He's a good caller and he knows how they move. So but yeah, man, it's like, I want to be with the best in the world. So, I mean, if your hunting camp has got a bunch of guys in there that are sleeping in too late because they drank beers, I mean, yeah, you can do that, but that ain't for me. Yeah. I mean, I I just want to get out there and I don't know. I just, I just want to make it happen. 
No, I think that's I think that's really good advice and just and things for people to think about and and I I I don't know about you but like when I think about hunting partners and stuff that's kind of what comes to mind. I, I can't hunt with just anybody. It you know there's certain hunts like I this recently I went bear hunting with some of my buddies from college and and uh they're in the in the military and in, in the special forces and they came home and that was more of a time where we were just getting together and I didn't care as much about as much about hunting, but normally when, you know, when I'm hunting, I want to hunt. Like that's, that's my thing. I, I want to keep going and, and do it until, until I'm, you know, I have to go home at that point and, and go all out. Not, not everyone's like that and that's fine, but I guess you got to surround yourself with the people yeah, you want to be like. Yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, I really enjoy a good camp um and to like socialize with a small group of guys and yeah i'm not making it sound like you got to just you know focus solely on getting out in the woods i mean there's a lot of good relationships and connections you make in hunting camp and it sounds like you had one of those experiences with buddies coming back from the military i love that stuff too you know i just love it when you know my buddies and i hook up and one of them kills a big deer <laughs> it yeah. seems to make the whole god the whole goddamn thing that much more memorable, you know? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> or or even better when they when they uh they miss one, you can rag on them a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I've been there, man. I've been there. I've been uh I've been pretty uh pretty blessed with some of the trophies I've had, been able to take, but I've had my snafus as well. I mean, I shot a monster monster bull in Arizona a couple years ago and never never got my hands on it uh one of those ones where you just want to cry yeah <laughs> yeah that that all happens and and uh just makes you want to keep you know working at it going forward and hopefully you know that it doesn't happen again but sometimes it unfortunately does yeah i'm pretty dedicated to this archery pursuit and even recently switched over to recurve I, like I said, the only rifle hunt I do is two or three days of Pennsylvania deer season just because I have that piece of property and I invite some friends and family up and most of the people that are in my immediate family, they don't, they don't archery hunt. So they're kind of new at it. So, um, this archery pursuit is just a whole nother ball game. So it puts a lot of pressure on it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so one, one thing that I, I noticed, I think it was last last year, maybe or earlier this year. Well, you, you kind of seem to take a little bit of a backseat from social media and media and everything. But before yeah. you were doing that, um, I was following your stories every day. You, you know, you getting up, working out, and and preparing. I think it was for a bear hunt. Um, I'm sure that it was for a, a larger thing, but I remember specifically. You know, you were preparing for a bear hunt. And I loved seeing that dedication and and just discipline to the everyday pursuit of that. Um, was there was there I mean, a reason that, that you, you stepped back kind of from that too, from the social media world? Um, you can touch on any of those topics there, but I was just that just was coming to my mind. Yeah, no, for sure. I was pretty pretty active there. Um, I had a Instagram handle that I was you know, showing people what I was doing. And I'm, you know, I'm a nutball. I'm doing all kinds of crazy stuff, like getting up early and hiking in the middle of the night. And, you know, 
just doing, just doing what I like to do. I work out hard. I shoot my bow every day. And, um, I started to realize that I was, I was spending time, um, I don't know, trying to validate myself or I was trying to overcorrect for social media. And I just started to look at it and going, Kip, what are you doing? You, you've never been this type of person before. You're always behind the scenes type guy. Why do I do this? And I, I couldn't come up with a reason to do social media. So I stopped. I understand. I couldn't come up with one reason. The, it, it, now, I have social media for my uh, big truck uh, farms, which is our brewery, but that's a business. And I'm trying to show people what we're doing as a business and, and trying to share what we're doing, growing hops and brewing our own beer. But for a personal side, I could not come up with one reason. Now, the only reason that someone said, oh, you should share because that might inspire other people to work out or shoot or to hunt hard. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I don't care if I inspire people. Now, my job is not to inspire you. If you're not inspired, get the hell away from me. Yeah, I'm, you're, you, if you need me, you're, you're lost. Like, I'm not here to inspire people, and the human race is overpopulated to begin with. I'm not here to, to show you the way. I'm here to walk side by side with you if you want to go to battle, but I ain't showing you shit. Yeah. I don't, I'm not here to inspire you. Now, my buddy Cam, he loves to inspire people, and he wants people to go out and run, and he wants people to hunt, and he wants to get that voice for the hunter out there in the community. And that's cool. And I love him to death for it. It's just not me. So I stopped doing it. Yeah, that that's that probably take I mean, that's there it goes back to that self-awareness thing that you talked about earlier. And and, uh, you know, being able to realize that I, I respect that. But um, I do, you know, I do I, miss that stuff. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, no, I got a lot of people that are hitting me up saying, hey, where'd you go? And I was writing some crazy dark poems and I was posting crazy crap that I was doing and, and I'm still doing all of that. I just not talking about it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's funny. I, like I said, I, I, I enjoyed seeing it, but I, I a hundred percent respect your, your reasoning for, for not doing it and everything. And, and so I guess what, so explain a little bit about big truck farms and this is kind of your, your next adventure here, I guess, in life, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I own this nice farm in Maryland that I live on. You know, we're on about 250 acres, and it's an old soy, soybean and corn and traditional crops. And uh, I just started researching in 2012, they have this Farm Brew Act in Maryland, where if you grow one ingredient on your farm for the production of beer, you get the right to do all of this um, tap room and brewing and up to 15,000 barrels a year. So I went and started a hop farm. I have probably one of the largest hop farms on the East coast, which is not large. It's only about eight acres, but it's about 17,000 plants. And we came up with this name, big truck. We love big trucks. Um, <laughs> and we're going to brew beer. And we're going to can it. We're also going to have a tap room. And it's going to be a beer, like a nice craft beer. But it's going to be for a hunter and fisherman. 
It's going to be about the lifestyle of Western hunts, you know, Pennsylvania black bear, whitetail. I'm going to have like how to skin out a, a deer on the back of the can. Like I'm not going to shy away from who I am. And every craft beer I ever see doesn't really speak to me. Now I love, you know, I'm not a huge drinker, but I like the taste of a lot of different beers, but the beer brand itself doesn't speak to me. So I came up with this idea to, that all of us guys that like to do this hunting and fishing, we all got trucks. And so, you know, I named the, the brewery Big Truck. Interesting. And so is, is the brewery, is it, it's not open yet from the sounds of it? No, yeah, it opens in May. Um, we're we're in full construction right now. It's been crazy. We're learning. We've never brewed beer before, and uh, we got a we got a bunch of fancy brewing equipment, and and we've been growing hops for four years. So we're actually going to be pretty far past other people that are that are brewing because we're we're actually growing our own hops for the production of beer. So we have six different varieties and. We're going to have 12 different beers, everything from a stout to a lager to a, you know, an IPA. We'll have all kinds of stuff. So it's a badass location. It's up on a, a little hilltop overlooking a cool valley. And, and then we'll end up canning it and selling it to local retail stores as well. So, you know, I'm not trying to hit a home run. I understand, you know, my success at Under Armour, but I do like working on craft product. I like things that are small and innovative and that's kind of what I'm have my heart set on. I love it. I, I love the idea, um, you know, b- behind the the company and everything, but that more than that, I like that, you know, even though you had the success that you did in Under Armour and stuff, it's, you're not going to just be like, Oh, I, I did my thing. I'm done. And it shows your attitude and your, you know, your whole who you are is that I just want to keep going and, and do something else. And this is obviously beer is a lot different than apparel. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had a lot of people and I've had a lot of discussions and I've even crafted some pretty strategic business plans for me to relaunch another apparel brand because it's what I know. And specifically in the hunting and fishing space, because it's my passion. And I just did, I just decided I didn't want to do it. And I had some really cool ideas. I had some people that wanted to get behind it. And I just said, you know what? I've already done that. Um, I think the market is a little crowded, so I didn't think the marketplace was good either. But, you know, this 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 brew thing, like, you know, I, I'm not a big drinker. I'm not looking to, like, have a, a bar. You know, I want to have, like, an athletic, cool kind of outdoorsman vibe so we're going to have like trail runs and mountain bikes we're going to have 3d archery courses you know we're just going to make it like what we do and you know have a beer at the end of the day try not to make it about you know drinking for you know to wash away your 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 life more a celebration yeah no that's that's awesome and you're only and you're down in maryland you're close to the pennsylvania border i think i'm gonna have to make a trip down there once it opens yeah for sure cinco de mayo is what we're what we're gunning for right now but uh it's gonna be cool we're gonna have some archery courses and we're gonna do some things that are like interesting where it's not just this you know brewery so you know 
if anybody wants to check it out, it's Big Truck Farms on Instagram. Cool. I well, I, I appreciate you talking about that, and and like I said, I'm definitely gonna check that out. One one thing that I, I want to ask you here, Kip, at the end of the the show. So like my my whole I guess motto behind. East meets West is or a, a question that I'd ask people is, you know, how do you define adventure? And adventure is different for everyone, you know, big or small. And I kind of, I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Oh yeah. I know what it is. I mean, I seek it every day. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I tried to kill a, a, a big ass grizzly with my bow this year. It didn't go well, but, um, <laughs> I, I I seek out adventure, so I know the definition, and I'm pretty crystal clear that mine's correct. So if anybody else wants to measure theirs against mine, I'll be more than happy to spitball it with them. But it's this the single the, it's the single pursuit of of being uncomfortable for as long as possible. That's it. That's an adventure. I like it. It's, I love it. I, the, the if thing, you're, it I could like, be that you're, you're standing in line at target and you freaking hate shopping. That might be an adventure for you. <laughs> for me, for me, I need two, three weeks in the back country where I might run out of food. I forget <laughs> where my cash is. Um, water might be a problem bears might be a problem um yeah i just need to be really uncomfortable <laughs> i think i love the, the confidence in it more than anything that that if you want to challenge my definition then let's talk <laughs> well and people are gonna now i'm keying on the word adventure you know now if someone wants to say something else but i mean adventure to me has peril and adventure to me has stress Adventure to me has unknown. Adventure to me has, um, you know, expectations of of what's around the next corner. And to me, you cannot get that in comfort. I I could not agree more. I mean, that's my the whole thing with with me starting East meets West all came down to one trip where I went out of my comfort zone. I'd never been west of the Mississippi went to Colorado and I, I won't go into all the details of it, but that first trip, my first backpack hunt seven days in the mountains where I became extremely uncomfortable and it was a lot tougher than I'd imagined. It was all from reading Cam's book, backcountry bow hunting, what got me to do that. And that completely changed my outlook on everything in life. And I, I truly think it helped change the direction in what I think is a good way. And, and, you know, I wanted to share that with other people because it's just, for me, it was that adventure that, that I had there that we had was something life-changing. And now I just, I just crave that. I want more of it. You know, I'm going to go to Alaska next year to hunt caribou with my bow and a fly and hunt like those things are adventure. It's, it's, it's adventure to me to, to go out and, and, and do a backpack hunt in the middle of the Pennsylvania wilds. It's, you know, those things that in an area I've never been, like those are the types of things I, I love it. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm crystal clear with you. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's to me it's what I've I've become so addicted to it, and I think you know as you're a bit I'm 47, you're a bit younger than I am, but I'm so freaked out. I need it every day. <laughs> so like when it gets cold, I can't wait for it to get really cold around here because I'll start hiking at 2 a.m. when it's 12 degrees outside for my workout. It's like everybody else looks at the weather as a pain in the ass. I look at weather as like, oh, what a gift. I get to now train for Alaska now. Yeah. Like I need to know what it's like to hike 25 miles in 12 degrees. And so last fall I did it and I'll do it again this fall. So I'm almost addicted to the uncomfortable, the adventure. And so I'm trying to figure out how do I get that every day? And and that, you just wake, wake up at 2 a.m. and do your regular workout. It's really uncomfortable. You're yeah. tired. You're sleepy. You're waking up kids. The wife's yelling at you. You don't have coffee. It's just, <laughs> so I'm just trying to find all these weird ways to deal with uncomfortable because I just, I don't know. Comfort doesn't feel good to me. I like I, I love it. I think it's uh, I think it's awesome that that you do those types of things and and the mindset come down to. It. I know you said you don't like uh, you, you're not here to inspire people, but if if people don't get something out of this that makes them want to get up and uh, kick their ass a little bit, then then I don't know what will. That it. The thing that my, my adventure for tomorrow, Kip, is I signed up for a new gym and I don't like being around people very often, like in, when I'm working out. So this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I mean, I'll be going, I'll be going at five in the morning. So it's, there shouldn't be a whole lot of people there, but I just, I don't know. I have feel uncomfortable working out in front of people. So this is going to be my new thing. I said, I got to get over that. <laughs> That's your that's your daily adventure, man. <laughs> yeah, that's for, it for eight, for for tomorrow. That's my that's my adventure. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I, you, I, I'm digging uh, watching you hunt up there in the mountains, and I love this idea of east meets west. I'm a little bit of east meets west. I mean, I I grew up on the east coast, but I kind of have a home on the west coast. So I really like what you're doing, man. I think it's fun and. You know, I don't have all the answers, but I'm never scared to try. Yeah. So I hope people listen and take that away. Is just try. Whatever you want to do, just go try and do it and surround yourself with good people. I think the outcome is pretty predictable. Awesome, man. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time here. And I, I urge everybody to you know, check out Big Truck Farms, and your new your newest adventure from the business side of things. And I, I like I said, I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, man, and good luck on uh, bear and deer in PA. Sounds good, man. Good luck to you the rest of your hunting season. All right, man. Thanks, Bo. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.